Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Do you want to get the dumpster fire started? I would really like to get this dumpster fire started. Okay, let's do it. Once again, for joining us this week, we are going to be covering Inglorious Bastards. I'm a good grown effort up. there I'm on the pronunciation. Up. Yeah, bastards. Yeah, yeah. So this is probably my favorite Tarantino movie of Not all. Mine. Of all, which one's your favorite? Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I've seen a hundred thousand times. Can quote word for word. When I was a teenager, it was always on. I was always watching it. That's probably one that I've only seen one time. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, you got to see Pulp Fiction more times. Just because there's a lot going on and a lot of the stuff happens at the end that you need to know for the beginning. Um, Django Unchained is not my second favorite, but it's on my favorites list. Definitely. What is your least favorite Tarantino movie? Hateful Eight. Mine too. Yeah, that's my very least favorite. But here's the thing, though. Even though it's my least favorite tarantino film it's still pretty good it had an interesting story and i love all of the characters and actors that he brought into this except channing tatum which was real weird but everything else i mean it was along the lines of tarantino but it didn't have quite the tarantino-esque feel to it like it didn't feel like a tarantino movie at all it didn't i personally didn't like the movie one bit i like most of the actors in it yeah I love Walt Goggins. I love him so much. And Kurt Russell doesn't do it for me, never has. What? Yeah, sorry. I love Kurt Russell. Yeah, I know. Everybody loves Kurt Russell. What about The Thing? Okay, The Thing was good. But that wasn't a Kurt Russell joint, though. That was a whole lot of other people. Okay, but Kurt Russell was in it. He was in it. You're right. You're right. So I think that counts. You got a point. He was in the new Guardians movie, which was great. He was great. I just don't like his fucking face. (laughs) Maybe that's all it is. Maybe I just don't like his fucking face because whenever he shows up, I just check out. Like on Guardians, Guardians was a great fucking movie and then he showed up. Why couldn't they get Jeff Bridges to do it? Jeff Bridges could do everything Kurt Russell does way better without having that stupid fucking face. (laughs) Let's get back to Tarantino. What did you think of Four Rooms? I loved Four Rooms and I like um, he also contributed or he helped with um, Sin City. Same thing with True Romance. He just wrote. He didn't direct. That I was forgot a Tony that he wrote. Scott. I forgot that. Yeah. Well, he also wrote the screenplay for Natural Born Killers. Did you oh, know that? Oh, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. For me, anyway, I feel like there's pre-Inglorious Bastards and then there's after. Inglorious Bastards, I think, was his way to show that he could still do his style of directing but also show that he can be taken very seriously. Yeah. I mean, this movie, I mean, it had eight nominations for awards across the board for writing, sound, editing, cinematography, original screenplay, directing, everything. I mean, it really just set in stone that, yeah, Tarantino can be goofy and gory and irreverent at times, 
but he can also be legit and be taken seriously. The actors that he used for his movies beforehand, they were known. It wasn't like they were just complete nobodies, but they weren't exactly huge yet. So he he was using people that were kind of still up and coming, but then Inglorious Bastards happened and suddenly you have like A-list casting for yeah. the rest of his movies. That's true. I think there was just a shift in the way that his movies were made. And I think he really got attached to the whole spaghetti western feel because yeah. he's started to do that with all of his movies. Did you hear that he submitted a script for the new Star Trek movie? I did with J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I am always a fan of artists, directors, music writers, whatever, who like to go outside of their norm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it quite yet. I, I think it'll be interesting if it actually happens. Quentin Tarantino has a way of putting all the right people together on a production. Yeah. With him just being the screenwriter and not having any control over any of that, mm -hmm. I don't think it'll feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie at all. I think you might not even notice it. Kind of yeah. like True Romance. You know, True Romance, it wasn't really Quentin Tarantino-esque. Yeah. It felt like Tony Scott film. It kind of felt like Top Gun. Yeah, you know? it did. Yeah. All that to say, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I, I hope he gets it because I'd love to see what happens. I can certainly say that when I see his movies, I'm never disappointed. Yeah. I'm never like, oh, man, I'm sorry I wasted money on that. Usually it's a mix between that was fucking awesome and that was okay. It worked type of feeling. I was pretty disappointed at Hateful Eight. But other than that, I, just, I mean, yeah. Kill Bill Volume 1 being half of a two-part movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucked, uh, but, you know, it was just part one. So Well, part there two is definitely better. Yes. It's way well, the better. The whole work as a whole is yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Splitting it into two movies had to be done, but it didn't do it any favors. Yeah. I don't think. Well, I don't know if you know this, but he actually helped write and direct one of my all-time favorite CSI episodes. I don't know if anybody, I'm obsessed with CSI, so I've I've seen all of them. I'm actually like in the middle of rewatching them again. Like it's my favorite cop drama. The episode is where one of the CSIs gets kidnapped and he gets buried underground alive. Yeah. And it's super intense and crazy dramatic and it's just so great. And then I saw that Quentin Tarantino directed and wrote part of it and I was just like, <gasps> yes, it's probably the best episode of all of them and that's saying a lot because there's like 200 episodes so i mean but yeah, i people talk about it all the time it gets brought up a lot when i talk to people about tarantino apparently a lot of people like that episode i haven't seen it i just i didn't watch much csi once You're... they once they killed off rory cochran i was fucking done okay that was csi miami that's not even the same thing it's an abomination yeah, but still, it, it tarnished the whole franchise for me. Yeah, it did me too. As soon as they killed Speedle, I was like, yep. fuck you. Like the one time <laughs> I watched CSI Miami, there's Rory Cochran, and then they kill him. Inglorious Bastards, it came out in 2009. It starred Brad Pitt, Diane Kruger, uh, very, very new Christoph Waltz. Now, he yeah. was new in America, but he wasn't new in Germany. He'd been working in Germany for a while. And then you've got Eli Roth. And it's kind of funny because whenever I went to go see this in the theater and I saw his name, I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? <laughs> I was like, um, I don't know. Quentin Tarantino actually was going to write out Landa's part. Because oh, my God. He didn't serious? know. Yeah, he didn't have anybody to do it. And then Christoph Waltz auditioned and he was like, all right, we're going to do this. 
funny story is he actually had Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, Jesus. Um, he he wanted him to play Hans Landa. Yeah, I don't think he could pull it off. I almost didn't believe BJ Novak as a military man in this movie either. Uh, he was great. He looked a little weird. He was great, though. He was good. He was basically his character from The Office, but in World War II. Yeah. And then you have a French actress named Melanie Laurent. Fantastic. She's great. She's she's great. I actually have not seen her. I mean, she's been in several other American films. Um, she's mostly done done French cinema, but she's she was great. And the fact that she spoke maybe four words of English through the whole movie, and the rest of the time was in French, I think is very impressive. I don't know yeah. why that's impressive to me, um, because in your mind you're going, well, if it's an English speaker that is speaking a different language, that's impressive, but. To be able to have a character develop and they not speak hardly any English at all, I think is is great. And I can't tell if that's like a character thing or if that's a director thing, like a, a, a writer director thing. I mean, this was a pretty stellar cast of people. It's kind of a weird cast because I know for me when I saw that Brad Pitt was cast in it, I was a little bit. I mean, I knew that he could pull off whatever they were going to give to him. But I was not convinced until I saw him for the first time. And then I was like, holy shit, he's so good. I never in a million years expected to, to ever see a character like Aldo Reigns on the screen. What a crazy performance. I, I mean, know. It's just bizarre. And it works so well. And he's perfect. Yes. He's so perfect. He's so tongue in cheek and so serious and just stone faced. And, and that's it's hilarious. And the cool thing that I like about this movie is that every single character, and, and this goes back to the writing. Of course, yeah. Quentin Tarantino has, had been writing this for 10 years before they actually shot it. And so the cool thing about all of these characters is that every single word that they say, you are hanging on to. Yeah. Like you, everything they say is either funny or serious or like there's just something about it to where you are just drawn in, especially Lieutenant Aldo Reigns. Like, yeah, he is just a backwoods moonshine making native american blooded yeah type of dude and I aldo mean, the apache yeah he's got a big fucking scar across his they neck. never explain it no you don't know where it came I, from but, but you want to know yeah yeah it looks bad somebody slashed his throat gorlami the boys want to come give you some what for some what for <laughs> it actually sounds like people that i grew up with yeah me to be too. perfectly honest yeah. like maybe that's why i like him so much is i'm like oh that reminds me of home it's good he's supposed to be from tennessee but man that accent it ain't from tennessee and it's kind of funny because like his accent is kind of the butt of every joke in yeah. this movie and he doesn't even do a convincing tennessean well and it's funny to me because he they make him look so much older in this yeah, movie. Like, and he does things with his mouth that make him look like a curmudgeon old guy. Like, yeah, well, he looks like an old military guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's been at this forever. He's totally jaded. Yeah. You know? Somebody who probably would sit on his porch with a gun and be like, get on out of here. Yeah. You know, type yeah. of thing. So, but he's a blast. He is a blast. And the whole bastard's introduction scenes are they're all amazing yeah, yeah and and quentin tarantino does this thing that he's done a couple of times where he stops the movie puts up the guy's name next to it and mm -hmm. does a little musical montage kind of thing i really which i love it when he does that shit. i do too um so this movie had a budget of 75 million yeah it was crazy um opening weekend um 
which was in August of 2009. They had a wide release of 38 million, almost 39 million. Um, gross by December 2009 was 120 million. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and then worldwide gross, it doesn't give a date, but it was 313 million. Yeah. So this they made bank. It was a complete success. Bank. Yes. Yeah. And at this point, after they saw the numbers on Kill Bill, yeah. it was a no brainer. Quentin Tarantino was going to be able to do anything he wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He had pure, pure gold on his hands with the Kill yeah. Bill movies. And and I think he said, this is the time to strike. Yeah. Nobody's going to make a movie about Nazis, you know, where I get to rewrite history uh, if I don't do it now. Basically. Yes. Yeah. It didn't hurt any that Christoph Waltz, he won an Oscar, Golden Globe, SAG Award, BAFTA, yeah. on and on and on for Best Supporting Actor. Cleaned up. I mean- if there was ever a way to make an entrance into the American film industry, it was this. Yeah. Because let me tell you that very first scene, the movie opens in French countryside in Nazi occupied France. We're in the middle of World War II is where we're at. Germany is obviously a superpower. They have occupied France, Italy, and everywhere that Hitler can get his little um, dwarf hands on to. It's on a farm and there's a father with his four daughters. He's chopping wood that one of the daughters is hanging clothes and Furry Lee starts playing. There's this caravan of Nazi soldiers driving up. Yeah. So there's just this instant tension because you're like, oh, crap, the Nazis are here. I mean, anytime that you start a movie with Nazis pulling up to your house, it can't be good. No. I mean, honestly. Um, yeah. And then... The facial expressions throughout this whole sequence are intense. Yes. And this is the first introduction that we get to a major character is with Christoph Waltz, who plays SS Colonel Hans Landa. And he comes to their farm. He speaks fluent French, which I think would be very disorientating for somebody that you know they are a Nazi, but they are speaking your language. Like that would... That would freak me right out. But he speaks very fluent French. English, too. English, French, German, Italian. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no telling. He speaks every language in the world, apparently. Yeah, this guy's a superhero of the SS. He comes into this guy's house. Denise Minochet. Uh, he's amazing. He is really he's great. He's insanely good. I'd never heard of this guy. Obviously, a French actor. You look at his IMDb credits and... Mostly, mostly French cinema. Yeah, he's, he's actually done a few movies in America since then. He's so good in this. He's When I talk about facial expressions and how, how intense they are in the scene, I'm talking about him. I don't think that I have been more stressed out in a movie as when I was sitting yes. through that scene. Because the thing about it is, is that there's no music playing. It's very, like, Christoph Waltz is very cheery and happy, and he's, like, drinking his milk, and, oh, well, sure, thank you very much for your delicious milk, and you're just like, holy shit, like, what is about to happen? He's being incredibly cordial. Yes. Just setting a trap, basically. Yeah. And it's the whole time we know that this man is, in fact, harboring a Jewish family. Yes. Under his his, house. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Landa has come to root him out. Yeah. He, He knows they're there. Yeah, he's the Jew hunter. Yeah, and apparently uh, he speaks English. Yeah, Hans Landa asked him to speak English because he knew 
that the Dreyfuses, the, the Dreyfuses, yeah. they did not speak English. And so they could he could have this conversation and basically interrogate him in the nicest way possible to find out that he was, in fact, hiding this family. Then you see the soldiers come in. Hans Landa invites the soldiers back in and he basically shoots them through the floorboards. It's terrifying. Well, hold on. We didn't talk about the big pipe. The pig. Oh, yes. <laughs> I actually know. I actually have the name for that because um, I, I have it in my notes. Oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? The pipe smoked by Hans Landa is a Calabash Meerschaum, the same one smoked by Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Because he's he's sniffing him out. He's using his powers of observation, and he busts out his Sherlock Holmes pipe. Well, he says... A little on the nose there, Quentin Tarantino. Monsieur Lapadite says... Uh, he asks if he can smoke his pipe, so he pulls out this little corncob pipe, um, right. and he starts to Literal smoke... Literal corncob pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hans Landa's like, do you mind... Would you mind if I smoked mine? And we're like, okay. And he just whips out this giant <laughs> pipe. Biggest pipe you ever see. <laughs> I mean, talk about it. Uh, a pipe measuring contest. Yeah. It's right there. I mean, <laughs> if you wanted to make someone feel inadequate, just pull out a pull mere out a pipe. pipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, so he shoots them through the floorboard. It's terrifying. But we see that the daughter, uh, Shoshana, has actually escaped. And she's running across the field. I mean, barefoot, covered in blood and mud. And we think that Hans Landa is actually going to shoot her. Like, he aims his gun, but he doesn't do it because she gets too far away. Yeah. Um, so that's the beginning of the movie. And it's so calm, and yet it's so explosive at the same time that you know you're in for a ride. Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, he pulls you in, and you're just like, holy crap, this is going to be great. Well, it's a horrifying scene. It is horrifying. I mean, he really does set the stage for Nazi-occupied France in World War II. Yes. I mean... You know, he compares the Jewish people to rats. Yeah. Basically goes, saying, you know... He has a very Tarantino-esque conversation about... You don't know why you don't like them? You just you just don't. But then he compares the Germans to hawks. Yeah. I mean, come on. Right. To, to the mighty hawk. Like, ugh, like come on. He really has this amazing grasp on the amount of horrible racism between the German and the Jews. Right. I mean, just... He's very self-aware. Yes. But he's still straight up a Nazi. Yeah. It's amazing how he's able to really portray that. He also managed to slides in there about how they feel about African-Americans, too. Right. I mean, there were a couple little jabs in there, but that's that's how yeah. it was. I mean, anybody yeah. that wasn't a German, basically, was just considered trash. Yeah. And then we get into meeting the bastards, and we meet Lieutenant Aldo Rain. Aldo Rain, the mm -hmm. Apache. Uh, you got uh, the Bear Jew, Donnie Donowitz, mm -hmm. Hugo Stiglitz. You know he uh, wanted Adam Sandler to play him? Really? That would have been an awful choice. I don't uh, think Adam Sandler should be allowed in any movies. No, I don't but think But so. I also didn't think at the time that Mike Myers should be allowed in any movies either, and he was in this, and he was Aww. fucking great. I, he was really great. He was great. That scene with him and Fassbender is my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie. Really? Yes. Well, yeah. we'll get to that. We'll yeah, get we'll to get that. Yeah, we'll get there. Corporal Wilhelm Wicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've got Simps Smithson, the little man, Utvich, who is a private first class. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other privates who get shot. Man, I hate point. when my privates get <laughs> shot. <laughs> we Omar Ulmer, Gerald Hershenberg, Andy Kagan, Michael Zimmerman, 
Simon Sackowitz. Bunch of Germans and a bunch of Jews. What the plan was is that there were a bunch of German-American soldiers who were going to be dropped into Nazi-occupied France, and they were basically going to hunt down any Nazis they could find and scalp them. Right. His whole speech is is that they owe him 100 Nazi scalps, each of them. And it's the coolest speech. It's a great introduction. It's, and I'll go ahead and say this. This is probably the most patriotic movie I've ever seen. I think it might be. I think this is totally an American thing that somebody would do is that you take the story and you totally rewrite it to where the Americans like obliterate the Nazi party. That is what happened. Make no mistake. Uh, Quentin Tarantino has written some rewritten some history here with this uh, movie. Yes, it's it, and that was one of the things that kind of struck me as weird about it when I first watched it. I was like, "Oh my god, they just did they just fucking kill Hitler in this movie?" This movie has no respect for reality, but it doesn't have to because it's the Tarantino verse. Yeah, where everyone smokes red apple cigarettes and Hitler was assassinated by a fucking death squad made up of a bunch of Jewish guys. Yeah, and an Apache. Yeah. <laughs> But let me tell, I kind of, I really kind of wish history was like that. Like, I want to read that in a history book somewhere. There's plenty of stories like that. Well. We got some bad motherfuckers. That's true. See, but I feel like you have to be a very special kind of sociopath to be able to to just do that. Fuck yeah, you do. Just turn your brain off and just shoot people. Like, of course, I feel like you'd have to be that way to be a Nazi, too. Absolutely. I mean, you just look at a one race of people and you're like, oh, oh, disgusting disgusting like i can't even imagine being that way it's it's i mean that's why i think it's so terrifying because you think of a whole a whole group of people just whole country yeah just went fervently patriotic i don't know if it was the whole country because there were a lot of um germans who were sympathetic to the jews sure sure and they got out of germany as quickly as they could because they knew that they couldn't hide that secret for very long Right, you but know? but collectively the country yes. itself just turned to shit, didn't it? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because for the German release of this movie, all the swastikas were removed from the promotional material, right? Because they were not sure whether it would be legal. Yeah, because in Germany the swastika is illegal. Illegal to you can't even talk about Hitler. You can't name your kid Adolf. No. No, yeah. you can't. I can't believe they even released this film in Germany. I don't know. I feel like it's a big fuck you. <laughs> not in a way of They're like... They're not Nazis anymore. Well, no, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's been a like, while. I know. I think the sun set on the whole Nazi thing. Um, No, it has not. You mean here? Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. That's Nazis. Good. Bad That's guys. Bad guys. Yes. We'll, we'll just establish that they're... We are in no way in support of Nazis. We hate them. Yeah. Trying to think of Now that we got that out of the way. So, I didn't mention Daniel Bruhl, who played Frederick Zoller. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Um, great. He is great. And this this was the first time that I ever saw him in anything. Yeah. He's gone on to do so many cool things. I mean, he was in Civil War. He's in a new television show, The Alienist. Yeah, I've um, seen it. It's really good. Is it? It's on my list of shows that I, I really, really want to watch because every yeah. time I see previews for it, I'm like, ooh, that looks that looks super good. Especially since my love of serial killers and my unhealthy love of true crime is, you know, it, it kind of slides in there, I think. Yeah, it really does. 
So we are shifted to another part of France where we have Shoshana, who is all grown up now, but she's posing as Emmanuel Mimieu, um, who Hey, you did that really well. Thank you. Thank Emmanuel you Mimieu. <laughs> Mimieu. Mimieu. So we see that she is actually, she's not really in disguise, but she has a false name. Um, she owns this cinema Frederick Zoller. At the time, we don't actually really know who he is. We just, we know that he's a soldier. He has somehow, in some way, developed this really creepy crush on her. You just see him and he's just instantly like, ooh, dream weaver. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, he's exuding desperation. Yeah. He does a great job of playing an absolutely desperate weirdo. Yeah. Really, he does. And, and she has zero interest in him whatsoever. She's like, yeah. what the fuck do you she want? She hates everyone yes all the germans yeah well yeah i mean they i mean obviously shot her family sure she is an orphan because of them i would hate them too right i mean they're it's yeah but somehow you know we find out that she inherited this theater we don't really know the backstory for it i mean in my mind i imagine that she managed to make her way into the city and this woman felt sorry for her and took her under her wing and she became yeah. emmanuel Mamieu and it did on from there had to have been something like that yeah yeah and so then we have this exposition where we find out that frederick zoller is actually a war hero he was caught in a bell tower during this battle and he killed all of these americans and he got this huge honor and medal of honor and they made a movie about him called nation's pride which was actually directed by eli roth really yeah i didn't know that yeah um, That's he, great. Yeah, he directed Nation's Pride, which I wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit because I think it's very interesting that he made a mention of the Third Reich having some kind of say over the film industry, especially oh, yeah. Joseph Goebbels. Um, it was the film industry was nationalized. Yeah, it's super weird to me. It really is, isn't it? And the fact that he, Joseph Goebbels, who is the minister of, who was a very real person. Yes. Very real person. He was the minister of propaganda. He was basically Hitler's like right hand man. Right. He was Hitler's Steve Bannon. (laughs) He was. He totally was. And so it just was very interesting to me how basically this was a movie that every single person had to like, whether they liked it or not. Like, you had to go see this movie and you had to enjoy it. You have to go spend money on tickets and you have to go, it, you like, own the movie when it comes out on video. Like, right. But at the time, their need for complete brainwashing was so deep seated. I guess it kind of makes sense when you think about it because they are trying to take over not only any, everything political, but everything entertainment wise, too. Right. I think about like, I don't really know anything about the music industry at that time. I'm very certain that it was. It was exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. Yeah. It was the same way with art. I mean, they were taking over countries and stealing their art anyway, yeah. but they were basically. They were destroying their art. Yes. And they were putting their own really boring German art in the museums. Right. Goebbels even makes this joke about how he's going to go to the Louvre and steal statues to put all over the theater where they're going to watch Nation's Pride. And you're just like, fuck you. Yeah. That's a <laughs> fucked up joke, man. Yeah. 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 No. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting that of uh, all the things to have control over the third Reich is interested in having control over the, the media. Yeah. Right. You know, anyway, so we find out that this Zoller is a, is a war hero and he basically manages to get nation's pride showing in her theater. 
m- yeah. like much to her like confusion and chagrin. She like, doesn't want anything to do with it at first. Yeah, like she's sitting at a table with the minister of propaganda, and another very intense scene happens because Colonel Landa shows up. I always kind of wonder, do you think he knows that that was Shoshana? Well, he is. He's acting as the head of security mm-hmm. for this event. If he knew that that was her, then he wouldn't have allowed the event to go down there. Yeah, that's true. There's no way. But the I- whole time, I remember I was watching it with a friend of mine, and the moment when he shows up, the music gets real loud yeah. and very, like, German. And I just grabbed his arm and I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, it was just like, oh, my God. And you see it in her face and the way that she's acting and the whole thing with him and the whole strudel thing. It just was so weird to me because he's like, wait for the cream. That strudel looked so fucking good. It did. It made me want strudel so badly. I wanted to eat so that badly. so bad. I watched it at like 10 p.m. and I was like, there's nowhere in the world I'd be able to get that shit right did now. Did it not piss you off when he snuffed out that cigarette and that fucking strudel? I got so mad. I was like, man, you just wasted perfectly waste good strudel. strudel. Yeah. Dang. You did wait for the cream and you got yourself some coffee and then you just put out your dang cigarette i mean there are starving children in concentration camps that would kill for that god dark (laughs) sorry (laughs) he's asking her questions about her cinema and you know who's going to be running the projector and oh it's a it's a black guy so i want you to run the projector which i always thought was kind of stupid because if he's the best projectionist in france then why 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 didn't he let him run it yeah, I, I mean, it seems well, dumb. Like, she's obviously hired this guy because he's the best projectionist. Obviously, that means she's not. Well, but he did say that he didn't want the entirety of the glory and of his big night to be right. ruined by a black guy. A black guy. Because somebody's head would fucking roll if somebody found out. Yeah. Yeah, if Hitler found out, he's like, what? You left it to a black guy in 1943? What are you, <laughs> stupid? <laughs> in nazi-occupied france (laughs) what's wrong with you i'm hitler for crying out loud nine 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 nine. you know i don't know if i would want to be proud of being able to look and sound just like hitler i think i would have looked and sounded just like hitler though he totally did uh what is his name martin woodkey he's fantastic best hitler ever he was a great Hitler. He was a great Hitler. The only good Hitler. He's done. I mean, because, you know, the other Hitler, he was pretty shit. <laughs> the best Hitler since Hitler, guys. <laughs> um, he's done a lot of American. Well, he's done a lot of a lot of stuff. So I kind of want to see him in other things where he's not Hitler. Yeah, that'd be great. And I want to be like, you were Hitler. <laughs> you fucking Hitler. <laughs> But anyway, so we see it goes from them finding out or her finding out that they're going to have the premiere of Nation's Pride at her cinema to we see Hitler having a talk with, I guess, his top people. And he's basically describing or he's basically talking about how he doesn't understand how his soldiers keep getting ambushed by these by these Ameri- Jewish American guys, these nobodies. He doesn't understand. Um, and we start to kind of get an understanding of that the bastards are ruthless. Yes. Like, they don't care who you are. If you are a German and you are wearing a German uniform, you are dying. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you have kids, a wife. And they scalped you. Yeah. That's going to get Hitler's attention. 
Oh, yeah. And they tell this story. There's this soldier that comes in and he tells the story about the Bear Juden. Yeah. The Bear Jew. This is the Kaiser Soze <gasps> of soldiers here. It is my favorite scene in the whole movie my favorite scene because not only does it give you an introduction to each of the bastards we find out like hugo stieglitz oh yeah he, love the hugo stieglitz he cutaway. basically took out i think it was like 10 members of the gestapo just killed them in their beds in the most brutal ways like i i can't stop thinking about the one where he like was shoving his fist into that guy's mouth yeah his whole he he strangled a guy through his mouth. Ugh. Yeah, that was pretty nasty shit. Um, I love that scene. I love the whole thing, and the part where they broke him out. Yeah, that was the that coolest was... thing. All the bastards kind of come out from the corners of the room. You know, they're you don't see them at all, and they just kind of start filing in. And they're like, "You want to kill some Nazis? Nazis? Nazis?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it." I love the other scene with him later on. Where Fassbender's character is thinking he's freaking out because he's sitting there and he's sharpening, sharpening his, knife. his knife. And he's like, <laughs> you're going to be calm, right? And he's like, you don't think I'm calm right now? <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of cool because the way the, the music was and the sounds and the, the way it was shot. He didn't, did he? He yeah. looked like he was a madman. Yeah. But he really he's just sitting there sharpening his knife. That's the problem with people who are slightly German is they have really bad rusting bitch face. <laughs> I have that problem. Mad. Yeah, I have that problem. I, I constantly have guys at work asking me if I'm mad. And I'm like, no, that's just my face. So basically, Aldo Rain and the bastards are stopping soldiers along this road to ask where another army is. And those, that right. army has snipers with them. And he wants to find out where they are so that they can take them out and keep going on their way. And they get this this sergeant, and he's questioning him, and, and he does say something along the lines of, if you... He's going to take that bat and beat you to death with it. And beat you to death with it. Yeah, I uh, love that. And, and any kind of, like, derogatory term that he can use for, for Germans based on food, he uses. Yeah. He he talks about uh, a wiener schnitzel licking... <laughs> fingers yeah you're gonna get your schnitzel licking fingers all over this map or something yeah something like that i mean it's it's perfect i mean again if there was any way that he could use a derogatory term he was gonna use it yeah and so the sergeant is basically like fuck you and your jew dogs and they're like we were waiting for you to say that because we want to see donnie donowitz beat the shit out of you with the bat which is what he does and let me tell you quentin tarantino he doesn't hold back at all you see, I mean, basically, it's Eli Roth, who looks like a badass. He looks and great. He's, he's all, like, muscly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you're kind of hot in a weird way. Uh, yeah. He's fit. But he's, like, banging the bat against the wall. And it's just builds and builds. And they're all like, yeah, we don't even, we don't get to go to the movies. So this is the best entertainment we've got. They're just standing around waiting. And he comes. And it was fucking brutal. Yes. He comes out of the tunnel. He's wearing however many dog tags, tons of dog yeah. tags around his neck. And he's got this bat and he beats the shit out of the guy. You see the bat breaking his head. Yeah. And it, it doesn't look like uh, like a dummy. It's just really well done. The, yeah. Some of the bullet wounds in the later scenes look really <laughs> digital. Yeah. But 
this scene looked good. Yeah, and I'm I feel like this is a scene where Quentin Tarantino like sat down and was like, "How can we make this look the best possible?" And we have to make yeah. it look like that bat actually made contact with that actor's head. And I mean, he goes to town on him, yeah. and it's oh some man. of the, some of the best close up head beating with the bat special effects I've ever seen. Did you ever watch Green Inferno? Eli Roth's Green Inferno. I did not. Well, don't. It's disgusting, but the special effects in it are fantastic, and I wonder if it's the same guy, because the effects in Green Inferno were just as brutal. Yeah. It's a movie about cannibals, basically. It's, That's what I've it's heard. It's like Cannibal Holocaust. It's mm. it's Eli Roth's Cannibal Holocaust. They might as well have called it Cannibal Holocaust. The only Eli Roth movie that I have seen is Hostel, and it's it gave really me good. nightmares. Gave me nightmares. And you hadn't I, seen it, Cabin Fever? Um, I saw bits and pieces of Cabin Fever, but I didn't see all of it. But Cabin Ho- Fever is disgusting, too. Hostel is one of those movies where when somebody mentions going backpacking across Europe, I'm like, nope, I would never do that because of Hostel. Yeah. Hostel will make you scared of Europe. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Eli thanks, Roth. Eli Roth. The second one was pretty brutal, too. Ugh. Well, I just, I don't know. I think I was trying to impress a guy and he was like, yeah, let's watch Hostel. And I was like, okay. And so we watched it. I was just like. It's an utterly Why? disturbing movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's just that I I want to like meet Eli Roth and like I would love to have a conversation with him, especially as somebody who makes films and is interested in horror movies. But oh my god, he's insane! I feel like he's yeah. just he is nuts. Well, he is. He's nuts. Look at the shit he does. I would love Grindhouse Two to have an Eli Roth feature. That would be awesome. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Very much. Anyway, so we get a really good, very visceral introduction to the to the bastards, and I just love to say Berjuden a lot. Berjuden. <laughs> and we also learn that the bastards they don't usually take prisoners, but if they leave someone alive, they leave a cute little swastika on their head that. They're always like, you know, when you get home, what are you going to do with that uniform? And the guy's like, he's going to burn it. He's like, nope, nope. That's what I thought. Yeah. You know. We're going to give you something you can't get, take off. Yep. Yeah. Which, which is I think is fair. Badass. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're just, he just pulled out this huge Bowie knife. And he just, just scalped like, everybody you know. Yeah. So take the fucking swastika on the head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just charge it to the game. I would just count myself very lucky. Whew, I got out of that one. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, for sure. But what I wouldn't do is go straight to Hitler and be like, uh, I just gave up all of our sniper positions and got a swastika tattooed on my head. Yeah, but Hitler let him live. Yeah. Like, Hitler he was, was like, like, eh, I get it. He was like, don't tell anyone about this. Tell them that you escaped, that you didn't. Like, he's just so embarrassed Hitler at this point. was surprisingly nice to that guy about it. I would expect Hitler to be like, shoot this guy. He yeah. Do it. Hitler, Hitler surprised me. He's a Hitler with a heart of gold. <laughs> His dialogue cracked me up too, because whenever the assistant buzzed in talking about private boots, he was like, who or what is private boots? Yeah. What's a private boots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just, and the whole time they're doing that scene, they have a giant painting of Hitler in the yeah. background that they're finishing. I mean, not like big, like, or the ceiling. Yeah. I just want to know what was so scary about that guy that everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's follow him. Like They weren't scared of him. Like, they were in love with him. He swayed them all. Well, I did read something interesting about him, and we won't 
you know, we won't keep talking about Hitler because Hitler talk. He's a fuck base and we don't, you know, he's dead yeah. getting a Hitler, pineapple in his Hitler, ass. Hitler, what a fuck boy, right? <laughs> Am I right, guys? That Hitler. I did read an interesting article about the reason that the German people were so enthralled with him was because of his rhetoric. Right. Um, and the way that he spoke. And it wasn't just what he said, but how he said it. Now, when we listen to transcripts or we listen to audio of Hitler, it sounds crazy. He's just yelling. Right. You know, but to the German people, they all sound like that. Yeah, unfortunately, they do. Whenever they're whenever you hear someone speaking in German, it just sounds like they're yelling. It just sounds like they're yelling Hitler speech at you, doesn't it? (laughs) Quit yelling Hitler at me. (laughs) Um, But the his rhetoric was just so passionate and it was it was new, you know. Right. And you'd think like after World War One nationalism. Well, yeah. He was a big nationalist. He spoke to the German people about German shit. He appealed to them. Yeah. Which is, and, and he was a good speaker, which is why I'm totally not worried about Trump being the next Hitler. Well, yeah, no, me either. We find out about the Bayer Union. We find out more about the bastards. Um, and then my favorite scene comes on. Michael Myers and uh, Michael Fassbender. Who plays Lieutenant Archie Hickox. I love his accent. Down with Hitler. Yeah. It's just so posh. I love it. It's great. And Mike Myers, too. I hate Mike Myers. I hate Mike Myers so much. Why do you hate him? Because when I was growing up, he was everywhere. And was... It, it was impossible to not see Mike Myers, and he annoyed me to no end. But he was so good in this movie. I loved this scene. This he is my really favorite good. scene in the whole movie. Well, and it's interesting because now we're bringing the Brits in who also had a very big stake in World War II. And so Michael Fassbender, who is just, oh, it's just so beautiful. He's so beautiful. We could we could put him on my celebrity bingo every single time. All right, guys. So for the, for the people playing at home, get out your uh, Jordan celebrity bingo markers and stamp Fassbender. Even with the weird, like, military mustache that he's got going on. Little mustache. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, but he, he still looks really good. And yeah, I, I love does. his accent in this because, you know, he's not he's not really British. He's he's not. He's he German. Did you know that? He's German. Fassbender? No, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> which is why he was so good at speaking German. Right. But he didn't grow up in Germany, which is why they made a big thing about his accent being weird. Right. They have a secret what's the word it's an operation yeah yeah operation covert operation kino yeah and they are going to meet up with the bastards to help take down hitler that's just another element of coolness that i think quentin tarantino brings to this film is that i just love this conversation kind of showing that the generals up the ranks were you know really involved in this the fact that they got this guy in to do this covert op who was a movie critic yeah he was a he was a film critic (laughs) yeah kind of a crazy thing though it kind of seems like well of course during the war everybody was a soldier Mm -hmm. all men were were soldiers yeah everybody of age Mm -hmm. you know between 18 and whatever they probably were using them a lot younger than that oh yeah i'm sure If they pulled him straight out of the chimneys and put a uniform on him instead of out. <laughs> but, but it's just kind of cool to see a little bit of the inner workings of the British side of the war. If you asked me for a scotch and water, I'd take a scotch and water. It's in the globe. It's in the globe. I love that globe part. <laughs> that shit's dope. It is. It is pretty dope. And then we kind of see on the other hand, we see Shoshana coming up with her own plot. 
Um, We see that she is plotting to basically blow up her own theater during Hitler night. It's not Hitler Hitler night. night. (laughs) (laughs) But that's basically what it is because we find out that Hitler is going to be there. Right. Um, That he is going to be at the premiere of Nation's Pride. All of the Third Reich is going to be there. The Gestapo is going to be there. Everyone who's everyone is going to be at this thing. And so she comes up with this plan um, basically to take all of her uh, 35 millimeter nitrate film, which was highly flammable. The first instinct, she walks right in from them offering her the job to we're going to go burn this motherfucker down. Yeah, we're going to blow them to hell is basically. And she she doesn't care about herself. She doesn't care that her lover's going to die or that the theater's going to blow up. She is going to take them down. Yeah. It's a pretty ingenious plan, it honestly. Is. I mean, I think it would have changed the movie a whole lot, but I think it's kind of sad that there wasn't any involvement with the bastards because yeah. holy crap. I mean, it all melded together so beautifully, but it's just interesting to me that there are just these two separate but very similar plans to take down all of the SS right there. Well, you put all those important people in one place, you're inviting this kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So she gets all of her 35 millimeter nitrate film, which is highly flammable, and she knows it'll catch fire quickly. And she very fearlessly comes up with this plan. I think the whole thing is just so badass. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, she threatens a guy to develop this film that she's made. Basically, like, you know, we're going to chop up your hands if you don't develop this film for us. And he's just like, oh, my God. I'm pretty um, sure they killed that guy. Pretty sure. I, yeah. You don't actually see it, but I I don't. I wouldn't put I mean, it Of course they did. Yeah. They would have to. Yeah. I mean, he's going to go tell the first person that he sees. Yeah. So. They, they killed that guy. Yeah. So it, it's just kind of this interesting, like, melding of plans that's happening. And then we kind of move forward and we're introduced to Diane Kruger's character, who is Bridget Von Hemmesmock. She's so good. She's so good. Which is funny because Quentin Tarantino didn't actually think that she could do it because he's only ever seen her in American movies, but she's German. Yeah. And she speaks fluent German. Yeah. So it was just very- God, I loved her in this movie. She was really great. She's She plays a German actress, very well-known German actress, right. and she's actually a double agent. She's involved in the German media, but she is a secret agent for- Operation Kino, the bastards and Lieutenant Archie Hickox are going to meet her in this tavern. Basically, they're having a rendezvous so she can explain the plan for the movie premiere. And things go horribly, horribly wrong. Yes. I mean, in the the worst way. It's just a clusterfuck. Oh, my God. And it's so... It goes between being very, like, lighthearted to being very intense. Yeah. And he does that incredibly well. Because you not only are in the middle of a French tavern and there's German soldiers there, but you've got three bastards impersonating German soldiers. Yeah. Um, and, and Bridget von Hammersmark. Yeah. And they're interrupted. Major Hellstrom. He was really good, too. He Who was is that awesome. guy? Um, his name is August Deal. He is fantastic. He was really great. He was fucking scary. He was. He was very intimidating. I think that maybe Fassbender's character and the major, I think maybe they were both majors. I think so. Um, which is why he felt like he could tell him to leave. So basically, Bridget von Hammersmark is acting like she's meeting up with three old friends who happen to be like high-ranking people in the German army. And she is pretending to entertain them with drinks, and she is secretly going to be telling them this information about the premiere 
these low-ranking German soldiers are having a celebration because one of them's wife had a baby. And this conversation ensues, which brings Major Hellstrom out of his little hidey hole that he's got in the bar there over to their table. And the game suddenly changes because now they can't talk about what they need to talk about and they can't get rid of him, which is a huge deal because they weren't even supposed to be in a fucking basement in the yeah. first place. Yeah. You don't have a gunfight in a fucking basement. <laughs> so they play this game. I can't even think of the name of the game where they well, like. Well, it's a game where you put your, you, you come up with a name of somebody and yeah. you put it on your head. And they and have it, to guess. Everyone has to give you clues. Right, so that you can guess who the person on the card is. Right. Their uh, cover almost gets blown because one of the German soldiers points out that Hickok's accent is funny. Like, it sounds funny. And I kind of understand that because I guess in, in Germany, they all sound the same. Yeah. Even if you're from different parts of Germany, you would sound the same. I don't know. He beats me. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, in, in America, if you have a different accent, you're like, oh, you're from the South. You must or, be dumb. Oh, you're from the next county over. <laughs> but you can, I can always tell people who are from California, people who are from the North. You know, to us, it's just, that's just part of life. You hear a different accents all the time. But I guess if you're in Germany and you hear an accent that's weird, they might be an imposter. Well, that's a weird way of thinking, I feel like. Yeah, but the Nazis were eliminating everybody who wasn't a certain type of German, right? Yeah. So, that's you true. Know. Anybody that seems like they're from somewhere else is going to be open for questioning. Papers, please, citizen. So then our cover is completely 100% blown when Lieutenant Archie Hickox puts orders up. Orders three beers. But he orders it the wrong way. He orders it three iglesia, which like a normal three, you know, when you hold up your three fingers like an American Like three. an American There's three. German people right now going, that's the weird way. Yeah. But the German three is your first two fingers and your thumb. Right. That's the German three. He orders it the American three. And his cover is instantly blown. Yeah. And I think it's so, it's just so cool to me that that one little thing just fucks it up for the rest of the movie. That whole scene, it really kind of adds to the tone of the whole Nazi Germany thing. Everyone's so suspicious of each other. Yes. Every little thing that's not right has to be dug into and investigated. Everyone's so astute. Even though he explains that his his accent is weird because he lives in the shadow of the mountain of Pitzpalu or whatever. And he so he explains his accent away. But the fingers, it's the fingers that totally mess it up and it's yeah. funny because to this day people will greet Mac michael fassbender with the german three that's so fucking lame people quit doing that <laughs> jesus christ what the fuck is wrong with you people i think it's funny i think it's hilarious that's like david cross you know david cross yeah every people still go up to him to this day and yell chicken pot pie at him <laughs> stop people they're humans these are people too Fassbender, he's a people. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway, they everybody starts shooting each other. Say, Elvita Zane to your balls, basically. <laughs> that was so dumb. But it was great at the same time. Yeah, it was. It was kind of lame, but then you're like, holy shit, that was awesome. I mean, And he does. He shoots him right in the dick. Right. Multiple times. <laughs> oh, my dick. Ouch, my dick. <laughs> nine, nine, nine. <laughs> You shot off my wiener, Snitzel. <laughs> Michael Fassbender gets shot in the dick. 
poor Michael Fassbender. And then somehow Stiglitz. Stiglitz shoots like everyone at the table and except then he starts, for Wilhelm. Well, then he starts stabbing the major's head. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That part always cracks me up. He's just like, oh, fuck you. Fuck oh, your oh, head oh. in particular. Yeah. <laughs> With my sharp knife. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody basically gets shot dead. The whole bar is dead. Except for Wilhelm, the guy whose wife who had a baby, and Bridget von Hammersmark. Right. They are both alive. And the bastards are still upstairs. Yep. Everything's gone down. Horribly. Yeah. And Aldo Rain basically manages to shoot the guy, Wilhelm, who tries to bargain for his life because of his little boy. Um, that sounded Poor Wilhelm. Yeah, poor Wilhelm. I, I do feel very sorry for Wilhelm. He was a great character, though. Yeah. He was a great supporting character. I, I was very impressed by him. I think it's funny that Tarantino made sure that we got to know Wilhelm really well before he plugged him. Yeah. It's a very Tarantino thing to do. But it also kind of shows the ruthlessness of the of the bastards because, well. It but was he, well, Bridget that killed him in the true. end. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. I thought. Because he was, he was talking shit. Yeah. He, he was, was like, shut up, you traitorous bitch. And she's like. It was just one gun and she shot him once. Or maybe twice. Nah, she unloaded in him. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. So now the plan is ruined because the people that were supposed to go with Bridget von Hammersmark, who are the most convincing with their German accents, right. they are now dead. Yes. And the people who are left, the bastards who are left, don't speak a lick of German. They don't speak any other language but English. And that's a problem because they're going to go to this German premiere and they can't be Americans. They just can't. So we're left with Aldo Rain, the bear Jew. Bear Juden. And who's the other guy? Um, I really like that guy. God, what Desmond was his... De Coco. His name is Omar. Omar. In the in the movie, yeah. That's and all they're upstairs. Up. Yep. And Bridget's alive but wounded. Yes. Her leg has been shot um, badly. So they take her to a vet, which I guess <laughs> that's what you do yeah. when you're in hiding. Is a you take a sympathetic to a vet. vet. Yeah. Um, or a threatened vet, basically. Right. That's when she reveals that... One, they've moved the premiere of the movie to a new location. And two... The big man's showing up. The big man is going to be there. So Adolf, mother effing Hitler. Is going to be at the premiere. And they're like, fuck a duck. Like, they have to like, get to... We got to get in there. Yeah. So, and she's like, well, I don't know how we're going to do that because you are all ridiculous and you don't speak anything other than English. Um, and they're like, well, we'll go as Italians. 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 I speak the Buongiorno. best. I speak the best Italian. Italian. Donnie speaks the second best. Omar, I don't speak Italian. That's why you're the third best. <laughs> Just keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turns out he's the best out of all of them. De Coco. De Desmond De Coco. And he does the hand thing yeah. every single time. It's great. It's perfect. So they decide that they're going to put tuxedos on they're going to be italians because they could pass for italians sure they don't look jewish enough to well they say that germans don't know enough about italians uh for to be able to pick you out yeah but that's before they met hans landa yeah well of course he knows every language because he's the fucking the super nazi and it's all coming to a head now we have shoshana who is about to burn her theater to the ground we have the bastards who are there we have Bridget von Hammersmark, who is wearing a cast with a heel on it, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't yeah. know how or why you would do that, but 
I guess if you're going to be wearing one heel on one foot, you can't have a flat foot on the other. It was a vet. Who I, knows? But why is he? How does he know how to make a cast with a heel on? It? <laughs> Maybe he does some weird shit in his off time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they're all at this premiere, and like we said before, the who's who of the SS is there, and Hitler, and Hitler. Which he's not actually there at the beginning. Like he kind of shows up after everyone has taken their seats right. because nobody they don't want to put anybody in a starstruck panic. Right. When short mustache fuckface Hitler walks into the room. I mean swoon. The, the people are just gonna go crazy. Yeah, start wetting their pants because Hitler's there. The girls love them some Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, so yeah. All of this is coming to a head. Now, before the movie starts, we have uh, Hans Landa, who happens upon the bastards and Bridget von Hammersmark, and we find out he can speak Italian. Of course. And it's very scary because we're like, oh, crap, they're going to get caught, which he already, I think he already kind of knows that it's the bastards. Like yes. He, he, he knew before he even walked up to him. Well, yeah, because- Because he found uh, Bridget's shoe and the- autographed napkin that she signed for Max, who is Wilhelm's little boy. Yes. Yeah, so he finds the shoe, he finds the napkin, and he realizes that Bridget von Hammersmark is involved. Right. So he she asks- sees Bridget von Hammersmark with the three Italians. One of them doesn't look Italian at all. Bonjourno. <laughs> and uh, it's not too hard to figure out. Margarete. It's important to note that this was a fucking Hail Mary move. It was. On the side of the bastards anyways. Yeah. So he asks Bridget von Hammersmark to come speak to him in this office. And we already know something bad's going to happen because it's quiet he asks her to like sit down and put her leg on his knee. And you're like, oh shit, he's got the shoe. Interesting fact. I don't know if you know this, but when he attacks her and he strangles her, that's actually Tarantino strangling her. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. There was actually a lot of controversy about it because after the whole Weinstein thing happened with Uma Thurman, people thinking that Diane Kruger did it against her will, that he did, like he took advantage of her very you know, all of that stuff. Well, she came out in a statement and said that that was not true, that she absolutely loved working for Quentin Tarantino, and she agreed to let him choke her like that. Right. Like, I think she actually passed out that he choked her so hard. Seriously? Well, the reasoning behind it was that he wanted it to look real. He didn't want it to look like, oh, his hands are just around her neck and she's struggling. He wanted it to look like he was killing her. See, that's the thing. When I hear a story like that about Tarantino... It it kind of it kind of makes me a little angry because Tarantino's always ragging on people, saying that people shouldn't get hurt in stunts ever because if you need to do these huge big budget stunts with machinery rather than you know doing it with just a camera and simple stuff that you're not a good filmmaker and then he goes and chokes Diane Kruger out. Well, but she agreed to it. I feel like if you present get, yeah. if you present that and you say, hey, I have to do it for real. I want to make this look as real as possible. And she goes, I'm not comfortable with that. That's something that you have to, to work around. But if she's like, yeah, go for it. I think that that's something, that's something else entirely. The fact is, it does look very real. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most in-your-face, disturbing, brutal 
strangulation scenes I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, because her Diane Kruger's facial work is amazing. Yeah, in that her eyes are bulging, her face is red. I mean, she like she's just yeah, like it's just, it is brutal. It's brutal. So he kills her. And it scared the crap out of me in the theater. I went, <gasps> yeah, because <laughs> he just jumps. Yeah, at he just her. lunges at her, Hannibal Lecter style. Yeah, and just gets her by the throat and fucking kills her, man. No hesitation, just straight up murder. Which we hadn't seen him kill anybody. No, ever. No, at his this hands point. have been clean. For to all this we point. know, this is the first person he's ever killed, and it is straight uh, up murder. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she's one of the biggest stars in the in the German film industry. So that's right. That's taking a big. And and big it's risk. also weird because the next thing that happens is Hans Landa decides to defect. Mm-hmm. So why did he kill her? Because she's a traitor. I think so. I think for him, what he's doing is not treason. But for her, the fact that she's been a double agent this whole time, pretty much. I think maybe that's what set him off. Right. Because. It seems quite hypocritical, though, doesn't it? It really does. And I didn't actually think about that until you just said it, because I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, like he's totally betraying all of the German community by defecting and siding with siding with the bastards. Yeah. Which I don't know. It's it's just very interesting. He to could me. have easily not killed Bridget von Hammersmark. He, yeah. He killed her for fun. He killed her because he was about to be leaving this country. That's true. Maybe it was the first person he'd killed. Maybe he was acting out some psychopathic tendencies before yeah. he went to go start his new life. Because <laughs> you can't do that in America, nope. Hans Landa. Not in 1943, girls. you can't. With forensic science being what it is, they'll... Well, he could have. I mean, you know, yes, we have you the... could absolutely kill anyone you want to in 1943 I mean, as long the... as you're white. We have the Black Dahlia. We had the we had the Zodiac murders. I mean, there's there's a bunch of people that got away with it. So he could have if he wanted to. Then we kind of move into the plan going into motion. The movie has started and Shoshana has told Marcel, I think Marcel, it's, yeah, yeah, to go lock all the doors. They're about to play the part of the film that's kind of a, a signal to Marcel to, to burn it all down. Right. Um, There's a little X on the screen. Yeah. The bastards are sitting in their chairs. They've got bombs strapped to their legs, which we find out. Yeah. And so it's just all kind of happening. And at the same time, um, Hans Landa has captured Aldo Rain and the little man. As they, as he called him, <laughs> B.J. Novak's character, right? Yeah, yeah, the little man. So he captures them and he tells them this plan that he is going to help them destroy the SS and end the war tonight. But he gets to have a medal of honor. He gets to have a house on Nantucket Island. He basically is just going to be a war hero. I yeah. mean, it is basically what that is. And I mean, it's a, it's an ingenious plan. Why not? You have the sure. power to kill Hitler, the Third Reich, the Gestapo, everybody in one swift move. Yeah. And you'll be labeled as the most heroic, the best in all of everywhere. Why not? Uh, Aldo Rain said, I'll take that deal. Yeah. 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 So, so they get on a radio. They talk to a general. They make it all happen. Who was Harvey Keitel, by the way. Was it really? Uh-huh. Oh, brilliant. I did I, not know that. Really? It sounds just like him. Didn't, I love Harvey Keitel. I love Harvey Keitel so. is awesome. The wolf. 
Woof. Yeah, yeah. He's great. So yeah, they, they talk to this general to get it all approved. Then we see our desperate and lovesick Frederick Zoller Ugh. coming up to speak to Shoshana or Emmanuel Mamou. Coming up to the projectionist booth yeah. to be a creeper. Yeah, because he's like, I want to come see you. And she's like, get the fuck out. There's a movie about him. Yeah. Everybody's come there to see him. And this guy's like, man, I need some ass right now. Yeah. But the whole time she has been like, get away from me. And yeah. he's like, no, 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 no. She's you never, just- ever given him any reason to think that. I mean, she shows utter disgust for him and everybody around her. Yeah. At all times. Pretty, pretty much. And he basically just busts his way in. Yeah. He's like, I've done everything for you. I've got this. I've gotten this movie in your cinema and this is how you treat me. And she shoots him. Yep. Which you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. Like he just was in love with her. Like he just wanted to be with her. And she was like, oh, you know, poor thing. And she made the mistake of rolling him over and he shot that bitch back. Yep. Shot you back, bitch. (laughs) 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 Shot you back. And they, they die in the projection room. Very sadly. I feel bad for her. I feel like her plan was ruined. I mean, it went off without a hitch. She, she was going to be dead in five yeah. minutes, but she didn't get to see it all go down. She I do feel bad for her. She didn't get to see the big face. That would have been... She didn't get to see the fact that the whole time there was a fucking platoon of psychopaths that had machine guns and explosives that were about to unload while her badass fire burns. She missed yeah. the spectacle of the century. I mean... Which is why I'm sad, because Frederick Zoller had to buck it up for her. Yeah, Zoller's a schoolboy... Stupid fuck Nazi fuckboy. <laughs> you know, this whole time we see Hitler is watching this movie laughing like a maniac. Yeah, oh, he loves it. Hitler loves this shit. Yeah, and he tells... And it's just, it's just video of Zoller shooting people. Yeah, it's uh, really... From what I can tell, the whole movie is just Frederick Zoller shooting everyone. Yeah, and the Germans are like, yeah, yeah. yeah. shoot that guy. Yeah. Hey, he shot another one. <laughs> Look how he shot that one. Yeah, he like draws a swastika in the in the wood and the Nazis are like, yeah, the insignia that we see everywhere. Woo. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's like us with the American flag. We're like, yeah, America, eagles and fireworks and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very good patriot. I can't I can't even pretend. Guns to act and like motorcycles. Roar, America, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom, you fucks. <laughs> Freedom harder. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That's uh, that's America for you in a nutshell. Um. Anyway. You can't put America in a nutshell. <laughs> we don't fit in a nutshell. You dang right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So then we have this really cool scene that I want to talk about. Uh, so while Shoshana is getting killed up in the projection booth, we have Donnie Donowitz and Omar who decide to leave the theater, you know, uh, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. So they go out into the lobby. They pull off this move where Omar runs. Like, they got these spring loaded, like, gun knives yes. that hook up to their hands. Well, it's like a and pressure punch, thing. Yeah. You punch a guy and it shoots him. Yeah. Fantastic. It's fucking awesome because, like, Donnie Donowitz, he, like, comes up as a waiter and he's like, Champagne. And yeah. he, I think, he shoots a guy and then Omar runs, runs out jumps, there. and then like shoots the guy with his little handgun in the side. It's like five seconds. Yeah. 
five fucking seconds and it's awesome and of course there's gunfire going on in the theater yeah so this rouses no suspicion mm-hmm. yeah and they managed to get in the box and at this time shoshana's movie it cuts away from nation's pride to video of her uh just a straight on shot of her face and she's like yes. ah you nazi fucks i'm gonna kill you all <laughs> well it start because it it starts with Zoller saying, who wants to speak for Germany? Right. And it cuts to her and she says, I will speak. And she basically is like, uh, look into the face of the Jew who is going to kill you. Yeah. Um, and she tells Marcel to burn it down. Burn it down. He lights the film and the whole fucking place goes up in flames. Interesting fact about that, too, is that that fire got so hot that it was melting the bars that were holding up the the Nazi flags. Yeah. And it melted those bars. It wasn't supposed to happen. That that scene, you know. I love that part where the Nazi flag just falls from the middle of the That, that was that that was, that was planned. Real. That was real. That, that fire burned. That was a burned. fantastic accident. Yeah, it burned so hot that it was causing things to melt. It was actually a problem for Did, Tarantino. Was this a set or was it filmed in an actual theater? I think it was just a set, okay. but it was just like instant fire right so that it was basically like hopefully the first takes good yeah did yeah. they have oh, to yeah. did they have to set it up and reshoot i don't know i didn't look into it that far i just i just know that it it was melting it was well yeah, yeah. that shit was melting that wasn't supposed to be melting yeah so right. marcel has locked the doors all the germans are locked inside they're burning to death but at the same time omar and donowitz are up in the balcony first they have shot hitler's face clean off yeah oh they just blast away at hitler and goebbels too and, and it's it's another one of those kind of like uh before in the scene where donnie beats up that german soldier it's really realistic and disgusting and really well done they're blasted hitler and his there's meat flying everywhere and his <laughs> face is just kind of blasted apart i know it's like it's Swiss so cheese. gross yeah um, and they are up in the balcony and they're shooting everyone and everybody that's like locked in the auditorium. They're just shooting everybody yeah. that they can just a slaughter. But it's so like you're sitting there going, oh, my God, that's horrible. But then you they're Nazis. They see you see that they they do a close up on Donnie Donowitz's face. And it's just very much like I'm I can die right now. Yeah. Like I have avenged my ancestry. I can die now. And they do. Their their bombs explode, and the theater just is a ball of fire. Yeah. And it's so fucking satisfying. You're like, yes! Yes! Uh, like, you just feel so... Like, I walked out of the theater, and I'm like, I gotta go... You wanna go punch a shit. Nazi! <laughs> yeah. I wanna go punch a Nazi in the dick! <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it, that's, it was great. Th that scene was mayhem. Yes. Just just an absolute release. You know, you've got this whole all of this all this plotting and scheming and this build up and a moment of mayhem where everything the whole plan comes together. Yeah. Everything everybody's been working towards in this whole film happens all at once and it's glorious. It is glorious. It's it's just Man, again, when I say this is the most patriotic movie I've ever seen, I mean it. And I, think I've seen... I, I think I burped an eagle when I saw that scene the first time. <laughs> I think fireworks came out of my ass whenever <laughs> I saw that movie. It just exploded. I sprouted a gun. It just appeared in my hands. I know. Then we cut to complete calmness in the woods. 
where they have crossed the line between German territory and um, allied territory. Yeah. And Hans Landa is quote unquote, giving himself up. He's surrendered. And he it has this little shitting grin on his face. Like he's like, yeah. my plan has just gone off. I'm going to go live richly and I don't get to die. I don't have to worry about the war anymore. I can I can just go live in my house on Nantucket Island. And Alderain has a different idea. He shoots Herman. Yeah. He shoots Herman. The radio operator. Uh, Hans Landa is like, you'll be shot for this. And he's like, no, I'll just get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. Yeah. You know, he's like, he just doesn't give a shit. He's yeah. like, I'm going to do whatever. He does the same thing that he does to every other German survivor. He says, you know, I bet you're going to take off that uniform whenever you get home. And uh, we don't want that. So he gives him the masterpiece of all masterpieces of a swastika on his head. And you hear... You hear Christoph Waltz screaming at the top of his lungs. And and they show it. This time they get all up close and personal with the carving of the swastika. And Ugh. it is disgusting. It is real gross. Again, I just walked away from that going, I was okay with that. Because that's the end of yeah. the movie. It just ends that's like it. that. That's the end. And it's just so well done. And and I think me and my friend, like we actually clapped. We were like, yes, yeah. yes, this was perfect. This it, was amazing. Oh, my God. A lot of directors don't know how to end a movie. Quentin Tarantino has never had any trouble with that. Yeah. You know, if this was a Peter Jackson production, there'd be another half hour after that. Yeah, I think I don't think it would have needed that. I don't want to know what happened to Aldo Rain and the little man. Right. I mean, obviously, they went back to America, but everyone else is dead. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Right. Everyone else is dead. Wrapping it up with a nice bloody little bow and we just move on with our lives and you're like, holy crap. But it makes you want to watch it again. Yeah. Because you want to catch all of the little cool things and the parts of dialogue that make you shiver. And I, I love this movie. Yeah. Love it. This is one of the best movies ever made. I, I would agree with that. I would Absolutely. agree with that. So earlier we talked about why he spelled bastards with an ER instead of an AR. And Tarantino says... I'm never going to explain that. You do an artistic flourish like that, and to explain it would just take the piss out of it and invalidate the whole stroke in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah, that was Inglorious Bastards. And great movie. Great story, great characters, great acting. I mean, I it's funny because I think I think of all the people that they kind of wanted to have. So let's, let's recast this for like half a second. They wanted to have Simon Pegg as Hickox. Mm. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio as Hans Landa and Adam Sandler as Donnie Donowitz. I don't think it would have been as good of a movie. No. And I think that it would have been weird. I think it would have been really weird. I mean, I love all of them individually, except Adam Sandler. But like yeah, Leonardo, fuck Adam Sandler. But like Leonardo DiCaprio and Simon Pegg, I both love individually. But I think in a movie like this, it would have been strange. Yeah, they did pick the right people. I think so, too. I think, again, we said this earlier, but he has a really magical way of bringing the exact right people together yeah. to make the exact right kind of movie. Yeah, he does. Even Hateful Eight was good for that. Yeah. It was, was an incredibly well-cast movie that sucked. Yeah. He's definitely on my top list of people that I would really love to work with. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else in the whole fucking world. Yeah, whatever. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, he just would make you infinitely cool because he'd give you a cool character that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, you're so-and-so. Like, for the I mean, he, he saved John Travolta's career for a little while. Yeah. John Travolta. He sucks. And, uh, and he brought back uh, Bruce Willis. That's true. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I forget that sometimes, mm -hmm. but he was, yeah, that's Bruce true. Willis was done. 
Samuel L. Jackson was done. But he made Sam Jackson so cool. Yeah. So Sam Jackson cool. owes everything to Quentin Tarantino. I would agree with that. But, I really would. But he's an amazing actor and he deserves every bit of it. But if he never hooked up with Quentin Tarantino, he would not be nearly the star he is. I would agree. Because Jules and Odell, these are some of the most iconic characters ever. Yeah. He took people that were they'd been working in the industry for a while but they weren't huge like Uma Thurman I can't really think of anything I mean I know that she was in stuff but I hadn't really seen anything before Kill Bill and that's what made her cool in my mind yeah I was like oh man she's a badass Uma Thurman Amanda Plummer Tim Roth uh John Travolta Harvey Keitel Harvey Keitel the Tarantino movies were like his last gasps I think he's still around, but I haven't seen anything yeah, with him. In he a just while. well, he actually voiced a character in Isle of the Dogs. Did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm excited for that. That's the new Wes Anderson. It was picture. so good. Oh, you saw it? Yes, it was great. It cool. was so good. I mean, we have to go see it. It's hard to compare I love it his to movies. Fantastic Mr. Fox because Fantastic Mr. Fox was fantastic. I haven't seen it. <gasps> oh, we need to change that. I've seen all of his other movies, but not that. We I love to- Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest. I bet you're wondering why we're talking about Wes Anderson, and that's because the next movie that we're going to be talking about is a Wes Anderson movie. Oh, really? Are we doing Grand Budapest Hotel? Okay. I love that. It was either that or Moonrise Kingdom, but I think- You want to do both? We could. We could do a compare and contrast. Do a joint thing? because for it. Yeah. I I think that'd be great. God, we could even do Life Aquatic. Let's do all three. Well, we could just talk about him as a whole. Yeah. Just him as a director as a whole. Let's do a Wes Anderson Spectacular spectacular yeah. spectacular it's a it's a wes anderson kitchtacular yeah. yeah hell yeah yeah because i really want to talk about isle of the dogs real bad well i need to see isle of the dogs but yeah i, yeah. Could, I could talk about wes anderson all day love me, me some too wes anderson me too so yeah that's what we're going to be doing next is wes anderson kitchtacular as hell we yeah. said so be prepared for that we are all over the social medias yes all over and I feel like I'm pretty good about posting stuff. So it'd be really cool to hear from you yeah. about the stuff that we post. We so have a Twitter. We do have a Twitter. It's at D Fire Cinema. We would love to hear from you guys. Tell us what kind of movies you want to have us review. And um, yeah, just tell us, tell us how much you like us. Yeah, because we love to hear from you. So we have a Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Cinema, where we put all of our extra content on there. We're going to have some special episodes, some behind the scenes stuff, just a lot of really cool things for you guys. So yeah, definitely check it out and, and help us out because, you know, we would really like to be able to do this pretty much all the time and we can only do that if we have your money. Yep, we need your money. Give us your money. That's good. We've also got some other podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a co-host on Dumpster Fire Cinema. (laughs) That's the show. Are you? That's the show. Oh, my God. I always do that. Uh, I'm a co-host on Very Dark, Very Quick. Uh And Jordan is a co-host on Queens of the Millennial Age. Yes. So check out both those podcasts. They're fantastic. And they are all on the Astro Panda family on Blog Talk Radio. So there is a lot of podcasts on there. And I know it can get kind of overwhelming, but we're giving you a place to start. So check it out. Yep. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. We'll catch you on the flip side. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.
Dick Smart. Dick Smart. Dick Smart. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.